The Articulate Coven is the original, unofficial podcast and fan community for Anne Rice's Interview with the Vampire and Anne Rice's Immortal Universe from AMC and AMC+. Welcome to The Articulate Coven, the unofficial podcast for Anne Rice's Interview with the Vampire from AMC, as well as The Lives of the Mayfair Witches from AMC and AMC+. We are your hosts, Ashley Wright Eiler. And I'm Joel Sharpton, and welcome back to The Articulate Coven. In this episode, we're going to be talking specifically about the behind-the-scenes special on AMC in advance of the release, the premiere of Interview with the Vampire, the series itself, and the whole world of... No, I guess, Ashley, we should we should start breaking ourselves in and, and describe this as AMC is now describing it. It's the immortal universe of Anne Rice. That's so beautiful. I love it. What a beautiful, perfect tagline. Oh. I, and so by the way, you can follow uh, their specific uh, social channels, immortal underscore AMC, I think on Facebook and uh, Twitter and Instagram nice. as well. Uh, and they, they put out some good content there too. And I expect to see more throughout the, the season. Uh, and of course, throughout the year as they build out this universe. But that's exactly what it is. It, you know, in last episode, we mentioned AMC's uh, Preacher adaptation that they had a few years back. They did not talk about a Preacher universe. They did not look to do spin, or not publicly anyway, they did not look to do spinoffs of the Preacher uh, series. The executives at AMC, the showrunners behind this series, the showrunners behind uh, the Mayfair Witch series that is forthcoming uh, at, right after this one. I think they're going to be right on the tail end of this series. They're going to go straight into Mayfair Witches. I think so. It sounds like All it. of them are talking about not one show, not two shows, but a universe of characters that interact with each other, that come in and out of each other's stories. And Ashley, the number one thing that that says to me, and this behind-the-scenes special overall just just drove this more home for me, AMC has a tremendous commitment to this universe. They've bet huge on it with their dollars, which means that it's going to have a fighting chance. I think they've put good effort into the content that we're going to see, and whether it's a perfect adaptation or not, I think we're going to have good television to watch, compelling stories with excellent characters and great actors. And if the audience shows up, I think AMC is ready to ride this train as far as we want it to go, basically. This, which is yeah, this behind the thrilling, scenes, right? A hundred percent. This behind the scenes special totally kind of kind of brought it to my. <laughs> You guys, I've been avoiding a lot of stuff about this because, frankly, we're getting a lot of, like, negative fan feedback. Like, book purists mm. are not happy. And so I've been trying to really stay above that fray and um, so that I can experience it kind of pure. Same sort of thing I did when, when uh, The Force Awakens was coming out. I was like... No, watch the official trailers and then stay out of everything else. Um, but this behind the scenes special, you guys, got me so cranked for this that I can't even think straight. Like, I have been running at a 10 all day today since I watched this. I watched this um, on my lunch break today at work. And I have been absolutely pumped 110% since I watched this. 
I think that you're going to be surprised. I know a lot of, I know a lot of people are nervous about it. I know a lot of people are worried about the changes, some of the changes to, to what what you think of as the world that you expect it to be, but I I don't think you're going to be disappointed. I really don't think we're going to feel let down. And New Orleans is going to be gorgeous no matter what time period it's set in. Just so you know, <laughs> it looks so good. Go, this series God. looks so beautiful. So... And the New Orleans, <laughs> the New Orleans that they present is this alluring, dangerous primal sexual passionate you know stew that Anne describes that Anne fell in love with that you and I have personally fell in love with ourselves yes. and that and that Lestat loves so much that draws him back to it again and again throughout the years and throughout the centuries let's talk about those big changes right off the top okay All so right. Sam Reed is Lestat and unlike uh, Tom Cruise he's blonde he seems to fit the bill <laughs> no controversy there Okay, He's, Jacob okay. Anderson. Love well, let's go. We'll go back casting. to Sam in a minute, but let's 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 talk about the controversy because this is where it starts. Jacob Anderson yeah, as it. Louis de Pointe de Lac. Yeah, Jacob is an African American. Well, he's not an African American. He's black. He's of African descent. He's a black man. He's black, and. Not only that, but we're moving time period slightly. Instead of the late 1800s, uh, we're talking about the early 1900s. Louis is the descendant of a plantation owner. His wealth comes from plantation money. He is a uh, man that is into the nefarious side of New Orleans. Storyland in particular, this is a show that is going to be set in uh, amongst Storyland, which is this wonderful sort of Wild West atmosphere that existed, that actually existed in New Orleans at the time, where in fact prostitution was legal, effectively, in uh, you know a certain section of the city. And Louis is going to be caught up in that world gambling, prostitution, uh, you know, a, 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 a speakeasy runner, whatever it might be. And that is obviously a time period shift. And obviously. especially it's a big change to have Louis be an African-American character or, or excuse me, a black character as opposed to uh, a plantation owner. But hey, look, listen, during this time period, there were sugar plantation owners that were black Creoles. Yes, the free people historic. of color is something that Anne has visited herself. Yeah, absolutely. And so I I get that this is off-putting and, and not what some people are expecting. But I think considering the world that this is set in, the place that this is set in, which is New Orleans, <laughs> like how we don't have diversity is beyond me. Like I, I feel like this is a more... I'm very hopeful. Let me not let me not overstate it. I'm just very hopeful. And I think it sets up the moral the moral the moral quandaries that he's going to feel. This sets it up so much more quickly and so much more succinctly than like having to drag out a whole dramatic story about his brother and blah da 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 or his sister and I don't even remember anymore. Like this is so much a quicker way to get to the point you know what i mean like he's well, in dangerous think, places yes yes a million percent i do think some of that family stuff is still going to come first of all i think we're going to be surprised how long louis mortal uh, life lasts into this first season because i do think we're going to bring in some of the family element and some of those family connections his responsibility to his family like 
I also think we're going to see quite a bit of his religious convictions and the way that that connects to his decision of ultimately to to join Lestat or or lack of decision to join Lestat on his you know Devil's Road. Bailey Bass is the other big casting decision that was questioned by some in the audience. Bailey Bass is going to be our Claudia. First of all, she's older a little bit, even than For, Kirsten the, Dunst portrayed seven, the character. Yeah, Kirsten, I think they set Kirsten's portrayal, or I'm saying that like we're buddies. <laughs> Kirsten Dunst's portrayal, I think they set it up as she was about 12, roughly. You know, like I think you're right. 12? In the in the novel, she's five or six. She's in five. the original Yo. movie, she's about twelve. In this portrayal, Bailey Bass is going to be fourteen. Fourteen. Yeah. 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 And the only thing I am worried about is I heard her, and I'm really hoping the scene that I saw in the uh, in this special was like kind of like a purposefully kind of over-the-top scene. But I, I I did write, oof, not sure about that accent, Joel. Mm. Well, Southern and accents, th- and especially Louisiana accents, are difficult to manage at best. Let's put it that way. <laughs> that is 100% true. I mean, even in recent, uh, you know, mainstream pop culture, there are several bad examples. I mean, we've already mentioned True Blood. The True Blood series was full of them. Uh, I, I think about uh, Kevin Spacey in uh, the the Netflix series that atrocious Southern accent that he trotted oh, out Lord. for years in a row. Um, anyway, it, that can happen. It doesn't uh, completely harpoon a performance, but yes, no. I, I'm looking for more flavor and more color to it overall. Let's hope that uh, maybe just when it's uh, the particular tone that she was using in that clip, I I, I know exactly what you're talking about. You know exactly Interesting what I'm talking thing with about. Bailey Bass. Here's here's the thing with Bailey. First of all, Claudia's character is not going to be around for readers of the books. I'm sorry. Here's a little spoiler. Yeah, Claudia's tragic. character is not going to be around for forever, right? For five yeah. years from now, six years from now, when we're on our third series and there's been a crossover already, Claudia may have recurring um, incidents there. There are moments in the books where Claudia's character comes back in one way or another, but the character herself does not live again. She's never reborn. And so... This is kind of a short-lived run for Bailey Bass. The interesting thing for me is she's set up to be a big star in the next couple of years. She's got a role, a fairly sizable role, apparently, in uh, one of the upcoming Avatar movies. And oh. so it may be the, the thing that by the time this series really takes off, Bailey Bass is a bigger name than anybody else in the cast and is sort of like a draw for people to the series that didn't find it or didn't look for it before. So I think there's some potential there for some interesting things. And here's the thing too, guys, like playing this character at 14 lends itself to much more comfortable viewing. Yes. Than casting this character younger. Um, and it, and it, and it, and it sets up safety for the performers. Um, it keeps, you know, like, it's just, it's smart. It's a smart move um, to to cast up this character age-wise. It's just, and especially, like, they were talking about how they really want to explore her, you know, like, her growth and development into, into womanhood. And over the time period that they're going to be able to really show this, it's going to be a lot easier to portray that with someone who's already you know at 14 on the brink ish of uh, of human womanhood um and then developing into this vampiric womanhood that she 
you know, she eventually lives in. And I think that a lot of it, it's even set up better. Yes, it, it makes a more stark contrast with that concept. You know, Claudia's whole character in many ways is like that stuck in adolescence, uh, you know, not yet a woman, not yet a girl, not, not, yeah, I'm, I'm not a girl, not yet a woman, whatever. Um, but at 14, that's actually true, you know, for yeah. the character uh, Claudia when she begins. And then as she ages mentally and emotionally. As a, as a person. It, it, I think, yes, I think you're right, 100%. And then, of course, also it allows for Bailey Bass to be a, a an actress that is of age so that she can consent and be, you know, an active agent in the choices that her character is making and that she's making on set as opposed to yes. sort of a prop. Listen, Kirsten Dunst as an actress was the same age that I was when that film was filmed and released. And so for me, I didn't feel complicated about the sort of sexualization no, of that character I because I was her age as well. In retrospect, though, I cannot revisit that film without thinking about, and, and don't get me wrong, the sexualization of, of Claudia and that story, as, as told, there is very light and uh, handled with sort of kid gloves, uh, not to coin a phrase, but at the same time, it is problematic, and what they're hinting at is even worse. When you yeah. think about the character as written is five years old, six years old, it's even exactly. worse. So we move that We're all into watch. the modern realm. We're going to fix it. We've got an 18-year-old, 19-year-old playing a 14-year-old. It's cool. And she looks great. And we, we're going to watch this over numerous episodes, which is different than watching it over 45 minutes in a movie. You know what I mean? Like, yes. It has, to be, it has to be something we can consume without feeling like gross creeps, you guys. I mean, I was, I was thinking about what is the structure of this series? How long do they take to tell the story of this first novel I, I it did strike me and we're going to get to this in a minute how you think they're going to the plot this universe out but it did strike me that you could use the title interview with the vampire to mean a louis led show and you could tell stories that take place outside of this novel specifically just as you could use a series named the vampire lestat to tell stories that feature the vampire lestat Ooh. even outside that novel right so so you yeah. could do a season or two with the tale of the body thief but you don't have to rename that show it could still be the vampire lestat just as you could do the story of merrick for instance the novel merrick which is louis focused you could do that story as another season in the future of interview with the vampire so and i, I think that's likely to be what we see here i think we get uh you know two three four maybe different named series that um, use some of those well-known brands, but end up telling stories outside the novels that they're named for. Um, See, but I in this one in particular, gonna, I figure go it's ahead. all going to be like interview with a vampire, and then a subtitle, like interview uh, with subtitle. a vampire, the uh, uh, the vampire Lestat, interview with a vampire, Pandora. And if I don't get mm. Pandora, I'm going to burn the earth to the ground <laughs> I she's got such a different compelling book. story the idea of being you know a vampire in a in a previous life and then being reincarnated with that knowledge yes! that that is so interesting and compelling and offers them sort of a um a connection to or a linchpin to other supernatural things that they could bring anyway we'll, we'll get to that in a little while i think they've got to introduce pandora pandora in particular offers a spinoff in a way that 
not that many other characters really do that you could be very like compelling and very ahead different. right now ignore us <laughs> right right exactly exactly okay, okay so um uh, can we talk about daniel yes yes eric okay. uh, bogosian eric bogosian who is one of the best actors on the effing planet you guys like we are so lucky i think he's so good i was so pissed <laughs> i was like are you fucking kidding me? Like, Eric Bogosian is, like, he's got to be in his early 60s. And this character is supposed to be 20, in his early 20s. But what have they done, Joel? They have made him the same man, but many years later. It's so fascinating. And the closest that I, so I was trying to explain this to my wife, who I, so, she I does, she idea. is going to watch. She is going to watch the series with me. She didn't want to watch the behind-the-scenes special. And so when they got to this point, I had to pause it. And I said, I have to tell you what they've done. And she said, what? And I said, do you know, do you know how they made that new Star Trek movie with a whole different cast? Except the way that they told the story of the movie, they said all the stories that you've seen already actually happened. That's all still canon. But there was a change in the universe and so these stories also happen. Nothing's negated. Everything counts. It's all good and it's all connected, right? That's what the Star Trek reboot effectively did by doing this like time traveling bad guy thing that changes how everyone's born. And so everything's all connected. Spock gets to come over from the old series into the new, except there's also a new Spock, et cetera, et cetera. That's what Interview with the Vampire, the TV series, and AMC's broader plans here, that's what they've done. They said Louis, the character that we're going to see in this TV series, met with Daniel Malloy, this Daniel Malloy, played by Bogosian, met with him in 1973, had an interview, and Daniel, the journalist, published that interview. Wrote about it. As the book, <laughs> wrote about it and published it as the book, Interview with the Vampire. We've all read it. Here it is. This is the interview that they had in 1973. But it's been 40 years since then. Here's the interview, and he reaches over and grabs the full stack of the first five books, Tale of the Body Thief, The Vampire Lestat, Queen of the Damned, Mimnock the Devil, as well as Interview with the Vampire, picks all of them up and goes, this is the interview they're having now. What a fascinating choice. First and foremost, it gives all of these characters in the, in the modern versions, right? Because obviously we're going to get the modern version today. Here's Louis telling the story to Daniel. And then we're going to get flashbacks to the story of Louis becoming a vampire and meeting Lestat and having Claudia, et cetera, et cetera. But in the modern versions, it gives all of our characters backstory, uh, a life and a connection that we can play out over the series. We can even see young Daniel eventually, perhaps. Flashbacks to this. And for readers, nothing's taken away. Like, you guys, we've not been robbed of anything. Nothing, not, you, everything that you've read is real. It all happened. That's all good. This is just a, di a slightly different telling of it. It's Louis with 40 years more knowledge and understanding of all of these characters and events so that he can give more color to them. It's Daniel, 40 years later, being able to tell the truth about the vampire instead of having to color it for the world of the 70s and, and what readers would want to buy, you know? And, and and we're talking about, too, Louis as a vampire isn't very old as far as our vampires go, you know? Like, Louis is still, like, 40, 50 years ago. He was 
only 40, 50 years ago old. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not, he isn't an ancient one. And so for him, like, I love him as a foil for us. I just love Louis in that role as a foil for us, that he is, he is the human side of it, you know, and, and, and we're going to go through it with him together and he's going to grow and learn and change and has grown and learned and changed over all this time, but he's still in the grand scheme of vampires and uh, young. Uh, absolutely. So he is, uh, he's roughly 60 years old, I guess, as a vampire anyway. He's been a vampire for 60 years when he speaks to Daniel the first time, and now he's right. he's roughly 100, 110, something yeah. like that. I think the series is going to be set, uh, the 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 Louis' creation part of it, I think is going to be set around 1910. So yeah. it does move it forward into our modern day a little bit. But in so many ways, if you look forward in the story, you think about, okay, what are you going to do with with Lestat storyline in the modern day? What are you going to do with the Queen of the Dam storyline? What are you going to do with these crossovers with the Mayfair witches down the road, etc., etc.? I think all of that falls into place better when structured this way. And what you lose, quote unquote, from having Louis be a white character, from having Louis be a plantation owner, uh, from having Louis be a slave owner, even, I think you you don't lose that much. What you gain instead from getting to understand Louis's character through the point of view of a, a black person in America, um, I think it's it's so much more. Same thing with Claudia. You know, the right. outcast nature of the character of Claudia is already compelling as a Absolutely. you know a grown woman trapped in a child's body. Take that one step further. She's a grown woman. Well, and, and even her before she's killed, she's an orphan. She's a she's yes. a, a sick orphan, a child, a sick orphan. Like that's so vulnerable. Well, and and no, but not only vulnerable in those ways, but now we'll also see she's an outcast. She's vulnerable. She's um, sort of looked overlooked in her society as an African-American girl as well. You know, right. this incredibly powerful, dangerous figure in a frail, overlooked second class citizen's body. You know, what an amazing what an amazing thing. Yeah, I'm going to be very interested to see how they portray race in new orleans during that time period i'm very mm. interested in that you know like new orleans being such a a robust and um eclectic city full of different people from different backgrounds and always has been i'm just very interested to see how all of this plays out i think um i mean i know you agree with me joel it's like it's one of the most perfect cities in the world. It's just unbelievable. And I'm so excited for people to get to see it in a different way. Oh, I just, uh, my, my love and passion for the city of New Orleans cannot be measured. <laughs> well, as a Louisiana citizen and a, a, a member of the, the uh, arts uh, industry at different times in my life, I'm excited for the business that it's going to bring to New Orleans. You know, the the film business down there is getting a tremendous amount of work from this and the Mayfair Witches series and, uh, you know, the rest of their plans. The more they do in this world, the more New Orleans is going to be a central figure in those plans. So kudos to that side of it. Yes, city. There's, it's just, you will, 
there's a window. I, I'm so excited to know, too. I, this is the first time I've known the address um, that Anne had in mind, the actual inspiration for Louis Lestat and Claudia's townhouse. I'd never really yes. known the exact address for that. Um, but there's this there's this wind there's this building in on Royal Street and and it just sits just so just above another building next to it and there's these little windows that peek out and I since I was like since I first read this book and first started going to New Orleans when I was you know uh, like like 12 13 14 uh, that's the window I could see Claudia peeking out of, you know, like that city is so a huge part of, of the pulse and the, and the heart and the soul of these stories. I'm so happy they're filming there. I am so happy that they're contributing to the economy there because Anne was all about that. And I hope this leads to more like preservation and, and, and celebration of these historic spaces in the city i a thousand percent agree with all of that and i think that it's entirely possible i also think like this will be a, a, a tourist draw down the road right like these locations will be visited more and more as these series become popular uh one thing that is not a change in this series Lestat is a 17th century man. They specifically called yes. it out. They've moved forward Louis's timeline, right? But Lestat's, right. they have not. First and foremost, I'm excited because this means we can still have our wolf fight, Ashley, in season oh, two or season yes! three, whatever, when we, or, or the, the spinoff series. <laughs> when we get Lestat's origin, yes! we're going to get the wolf fight still. I feel confident. Fight. And also, we'll get we'll get the the all of his adventures as they escape to join the the traveling theater troupe. Yes, his contemplation of becoming a priest. All of that stuff should happen and can be period appropriate. Uh, his yeah. mother's relationship with the nobility and her own life. Um, I think all of that can still happen just as it does in the books, just as we have all loved it for so long. I, there's no no need to change any of that because yeah. they've kept his timing right. So this is an example. They changed Louis when they weren't going to lose a lot. They've kept Lestat in a way that keeps all of the interesting storytelling beats yeah. that are still to come for him. And I, that means a lot to me. I'm super excited about that just the right amount of like french accent it's not like painful or cheesy oh yes yes oh ashley you mentioned i think uh, in the last episode you were talking about the the narrator for the audiobook versions and yes. i actually do really like his lestat accent however it's great. you also mentioned how with the language of memnock the devil specifically it sort of became torturous almost i thought the same thing here about sam reed's lestat accent it seems just flavored enough we clearly know where he comes from and who he is, and yet he can move through the modern world, and it's not like an impediment. Absolutely, for him, right? it's not like look at this big fancy Frenchman, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Look at this French yeah. vampire. Ooh, you know it. It it is. It's there. It's recognized. I'm sure. I I look forward to seeing flashbacks where it is maybe thicker and more rich. Um, but he, that casting seems to be right on for me. Like, I'm, I'm really surprised. Like, I was kind of, um, 
I just was like kind of indifferent about him. I was super psyched about Louis casting. Like you guys, that guy. I was too. He's so good. <laughs> he's so good, and he straight up looks French Creole. Like I mean, that's another thing. Like um, he just has the right look for what they're going for, and oh. His it's accent, just, by the way, seems to be fantastic. Yes, it does. It does. It does. I'm really excited because that's really, I mean, Joel, like we know, like, I know not everybody's from the South, but wherever you're from, if someone's doing an accent and it's terrible, it's so physically painful. And that's like, we've voluntarily chosen something to love that exists in places we've lived. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And, and it seems like for whatever reason, I mean, God bless uh, British theater actors, I suppose. But but oh, he, man. Uh, he's, well, he's nailing Australian, it. He's absolutely he? nailing it. Is he Australian? I Sam thought Reed he was British, but maybe he is Australian. Oh, no, no, you're but... talking about Sam Reed. Sam, so Sam yeah. Reed is Australian. Yes, I'm. I meant uh, Jacob. Jacob. Oh is, yes, is yes, British. yes. He's British. Yes, yes. Y'all, he's so, so good. You're gonna have so much fun. I'm so excited. I, I, I just want to say, in general, there's so much in that behind-the-scenes special. If you haven't seen it, you've listened to us talk about some of it, but please just dive into it. I guarantee you, if you have questions or or sort of doubts about the series, I think a lot of them will be answered for you in that special. And huge ups. There are so many women and uh, people of color working on this show. You guys, it is something to be excited about and celebrated. This is inclusion on a really great level. I was unexpectedly blown away watching this uh, behind the scenes special, uh, seeing the people that are involved in, in this. It's just, oh, it's like so many, so many awesome voices that maybe don't always get heard. I um, absolutely agree with you. It, it was very um, heartwarming to see and and uh, hopeful to see. I think I feel like honestly, after that special, the show overall is in good hands, not just with AMC but with the creative team specifically. So kudos. Um, quickly before we wrap up this series, uh, this episode, I want to talk for a moment about how we see the structure of this thing going forward. I've sort of hinted oh, at it okay. a couple of times because yes. it, it is clear. First and foremost, we've got two series to start with, Interview with the Vampire and Mayfair, the Lives of the Mayfair Witches uh, that are both going to be coming this fall. In my mind, I think it's going to be hard for this first season to end on anything other than the assassination attempt on Lestat by Claudia and Louis. I, I can't think of oh, another good place. Oh, you think it's going to end there? I do. Oh. And then I think season two starts with Louis and Claudia's European journey without Lestat. Uh, now, I could imagine now, a scenario where... I haven't looked at any like, casting... I, look, you guys, I've been so off hands with this, not wanting to like ruin it, that I haven't even really been on IMDb to see kind of like if there's any accidental spoiler castings in there. You know mm. what I mean? Like characters that we shouldn't see yet or that we will see upcoming. So I you know, now that you mentioned it, I haven't really done that either. I haven't I haven't dove dove deep into that. Um I mean I I do know that there are there are eight episodes in this first season. And if you just sort of think about the story, I 
I mean, I could see a scenario in which the executives say to themselves, oh, I'd really like for this this interview, this first book to go three seasons. Can you make three seasons out of it? But to me, I can't see what season-ending beat you have before the assassination on Lestat. I mean, there are lots of great beats before that. Oh, there is a that. one before. There is a, I don't think there's a good one to end it before. Is that is that the plan that it's a that this book is a three season venture? No, has no, I'm I'm, I'm sort of talking out of my behind here. No, no, yeah, no, that's, that's just good. my. That's I good. do I like think, it. I do think they're going to make this book last more than one season because I, again, I think their plan is we want to get Lestat out on his own as quickly as we can and maybe continue telling Louis stories while Lestat's story Lestat, is also yeah. being told. Yeah, and and you also have to think about the structure of Hollywood and, and the contracts, right? These characters yeah. are going to make more money for every season of an individual show that they're in, but you can keep the contract about the same if you take that character and that actor and move them to a different show, right? So Absolutely. if you have Sam Reed in the seventh season of Interview with a Vampire, it's gonna cost X. But if you have him in the first season or the second season of Queen of the Damned or The Vampire Lestat or whatever else you call it, just playing the same character, you can keep his, legally speaking, I mean, according to the union, you can keep his contract at a lower rate. You know what I mean? Think about the structure of Netflix series. They don't go more than three. Why? Because contracts uh, accelerate at that point. Everybody gets a pay raise after three or four seasons. It's contractually required by the union. So if they change the name of the series and they sort of move these characters around the universe in and out of each other's series as necessary, um, I think you can keep the pay raises uh, more uh, reasonable and you can sort of thank and reward different actors by allowing them to be featured, have meteor roles, uh, the ensemble sort of focuses around them instead of, you know, Louis in this case, which this is going to be a very Louis forward series for a while. I, I, again, I just, I feel like you're going to get probably two, maybe three seasons of this. Then you'll get two, three seasons of The Vampire Lestat. I think they're going to do a big crossover series called Queen of the Damned. A season or two because here's the thing think about queen of the damned is the first time where the talamasco really comes into the vampire story yeah but the talamasco really will have been building for two three four years maybe already with, with the witches series yeah. exactly well, you can know, bring Aaron? in ex well you've got exactly you've got the connection to the mayfair family already through that book i think probably mahare and her family are going to be mayfairs yeah well, i think I those think that families that's... are going to be connected I think that would be incredible. I think that's a super smart way to do it. But that's, I, I do expect super crossover with these series. I do expect to see a lot of the same actors crossing over into and out of. I think some of the time changes they've made have set it up to be to be even more conducive to that. And, um, and I think that that's super exciting, the idea that we might see like... Uh, Lestat and Louis show up at a party at the Mayfair house. You know what I mean? Because now that could happen. That's the way that's set up now. It could happen. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. It could. And again, especially with this whole adaptation, with that thought in mind, Anne's worlds have never been quite so closely united. The, the, lives of the Mayfair witches are largely their own sort of referenced in the background and then only cross over in a couple of specific books. But AMC owns the rights to all of that. I don't believe, I haven't read that they've purchased the rights to the Ramsey's books, but again, Ramsey's is referenced uh, by yeah. Marius, I believe at one point. So those books could exist in this universe as well. Anne's got some books about werewolves also. There's no reason yeah. why all these things couldn't cross over and connect. Again, if the if the writing is pretty good, if the uh, if the audience shows up for it, I think AMC is excited to spend the coin. So uh, the possibilities they, for this thing are huge. Y'all, they have put the money in. You, If you watch that behind the scenes, you will see it in the costumes, in the production design. That is... That is a love letter to New Orleans. It is absolutely beautiful. I um I can't wait for this thing to get started. I am so so unbelievably excited. I'm so excited. It's, Did you hear it's going to be so good. Okay, I have to say this because I thought this was one of the coolest. I know we're getting ready to wrap up, but I thought this was so freaking fascinating. And how have we not done this before? But they were talking about special effects in this in this. Um, in this behind the scenes episode and they made these like basically like pools of blood that are just like vinyl pull-ups that you can pull up and off the floor and place in different positions oh yes I love that. oh my god okay ashley <laughs> i immediately thought of do you remember the fake dog puke that you could buy at yes, like spencer's absolutely Gifts? of course that's immediately what i thought of i was like yes. wait a minute i've seen this before except it was dog puke <laughs> yeah yes 100 percent hundred percent. Um, one so, of the nicest things that I heard in, in this whole special was, uh, just some reassurance from the cast and the crew about their respect and love for Anne, um, and her work. And, um, and our, our lovely Louise said, trust us because we love her too. And, um, I just, that really hit my heart so hard because, they all do seem to have this really deep love, affection, and respect for her and her work. And I think that's, you guys, I think we're going to be really, really pleased with the result. I 100% agree. Uh, Rollin Jones uh, was talking about having an overall meeting with AMC and they had discussed a bunch of things and like literally he's getting up to walk away and AMC says, I'm sure you're not interested in this, but hey, we, but, we just bought the rights to all of Anne Rice's books. W what do you think about that? And he says, I need to do this and immediately had a pitch. And so, yes, these are people who love these books, who love Anne and the world that she's created. I will say, I wish that I had heard something from Christopher Rice recently yeah. in public because it makes me wonder if he's involved at all. Has he had any yeah. say? Did they fairly compensate? Has he seen something and doesn't like it? Is he just contractually not allowed to? Who knows? Yeah. We don't know. It could be any and of that. Listen, Christopher can feel any way that he wants to feel about this series 100%. and it still may be good and enjoyable for us. That he's allowed to have that as Anne's son. But that's my one trepidation still is that he's not talking about it. And I kind of, I mean, he's me got to be excited, right? I, I would hope so. I, I would hope so. Um, I hope 
that this is a project that that he can be proud of. I hope mm. that it turns out that way. Like, that's what I really, really hope. Like, I think it's going to be a project that you and I are pumped about regardless. It's, and we're going to have such a great time. But I really hope that this turns out to be something that he looks at and is really proud of the work he he's done and the work that his amazing, brilliant, beautiful mother did. Oh. So perfectly said. All right, we are going to end on that one. I, yeah. You had a perfect thought last episode, and then we brought feedback into it. We're not going to do it this week, folks. We're saving the feedback. All right. Uh, please, you can <laughs> send you us feedback, more. though. Yeah, That's right. Send us some more. Go find us on Facebook. The links are in the show notes. Facebook and Twitter, you can find us there and, and uh, interact with us. Uh, we've got an email address somewhere, too, but I, I, who knows if I'm even going to check that. Get to us on Facebook. <laughs> Join the Facebook group, and you can interact with us there. Ashley will see it as well as I will, and, and one of us will be sure to respond, and we'll, we'll talk about it on the show, too. We're going to be here every week during the airing of this series. Uh, if there's a break in between it and May, Lives of the Mayfair Witches, we may take a couple of weeks off, but we'll be back with Lives of the Mayfair Witch series as well. And then in the off season, who knows what we'll do? Maybe we'll even oh. read another book. Oh, maybe we will. <laughs> it might take us two and a half years to do it. Well, we can't no. take that long because AMC is going to be cranking out these series faster That's than that. That's true. So. We've, got to, we've really got to be on top of the readings. But yeah, I absolutely still want to keep, um, like, as we kind of come up upon the books to hit them for sure. And maybe even ahead of time if we need to kind of set that. But I, I can't not talk about the books. The books are the books are the honey. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, folks, it's time. It's time for interview with the vampire. Uh, get your AMC in order. It's going to be airing Sunday nights at 10 p.m. on AMC proper. Uh, and apparently it's going to be available Sunday mornings on AMC plus if you use the ooh, app. Ooh, ooh. That's how Ashley and I are going to be watching it. And then we're going to try to have uh, these episodes discussing each episode of the TV series out for you basically when it drops on cable. So hopefully by Sunday nights, uh, you'll be able to listen to it. Um, and we'll be back with you again on October 2nd for that first episode. Yeah, it's here. Ashley, it's here. It's here. I feel like it's Christmas <laughs> or, or Halloween. Even better, it feels like Halloween and I have the perfect costume. <laughs> Woohoo! All right, uh, we'll be back soon. Until then, we've been your hosts, Ashley Wright Eiler. And I'm Joel Sharpton, and this is the Articulate Coven. Thanks for listening to The Articulate Coven. You can join our community on Facebook by following the links in the show notes or searching for Articulate Coven on Facebook. You can subscribe to the show in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at articulatecoven.com and share us with your Anne Rice-loving friends. <laughs>